You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I have an idea that a number of you are interested in the will of God. Is that true? The problem that I discover, though, is that when I say the words, will of God, what tends to pop into your mind, you know? Oh, difficult to find. I'm not willing, but I'm willing to be made willing. (laughs) Or maybe you think, as I mentioned once in an earlier session about those that insurance term acts of God which is always the good stuff hurricanes tornadoes earthquakes so it seems like when it has to do with God's will or God's act well it's probably gonna be miserable (laughs) maybe Africa it'll probably be what I don't want to do because that's the way God works that's that's kind of the way we think isn't it Consequently, there is often a rather high anxiety level associated with the will of God. Well, oh, let's get off of the tough subject. Let's talk about a nice one. When I say the word heaven, what pops into your mind? Different, right? Joy, peace, Jesus, chocolate-covered raisins. Well, I've actually pulled a little trick on you. You'll just have to forgive me. Because now I'm going to quote a passage that you know by heart. You could quote it to me just as easily. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Maybe that's what makes heaven heaven. It's the place where his will is done perfectly. Well, that puts an entirely different cast on it. And I've thought about this, and I think, I think that one of the big problems that I have observed, at least through the years, is some of the methods that people have tended to use to try to ascertain the will of God. So let's call these questionable methods, the kind of methods that I wouldn't necessarily recommend. Uh, I better spell it right. One that I find a lot is what I call the cosmic Easter egg hunt. (laughs) Now, what that is, is when we see the will of God as something he really doesn't want very many people to know. So it's the golden egg that he hides under some spiritual clump somewhere. And the question is, can I find it? Maybe if I fast all night. Maybe if I pray all day. Maybe if I'll go here. Maybe if I'll go there. Oh, no, you found it. Oh, what are we? 
And I see a lot of people that they're just sort of, oh, maybe if I ask at each moment, maybe if I And they're real nervous about it, like an Easter egg hunt. Now, that's sort of like just as an example. Suppose when we lived in a two-story house, my oldest daughter, Gloria, wakes up in the morning and yells down at me, Daddy, I'm awake. Can I get up now? Yes, Gloria. Daddy, I'm up. Can I get dressed now? Yes, Gloria. Daddy, I'm dressed. Can I come downstairs now? Yes, Gloria. Uh, Daddy, uh, Daddy, I'm downstairs now. Can I sit at the table? Yes, Gloria. Can I pick up the fork? Yes, Gloria. Can I put some egg on it? Yes, Gloria. Can I put it in my mouth? Yes, Gloria. Can I chew it? Yes. Can I swallow it? Yes. I would run away from home. But I have observed the kind of nervousness and testiness on the part of people as if God really doesn't want you to know. He's checking out every move. You didn't say, Mother, may I? Well, another rather questionable method that I have observed and made use of is circumstances. Now, of course, circumstances can have a lot to do with the way you live your life, but maybe it's a little dubious in terms of how we would view the will of God. I often think of Paul. Paul makes what I call a redeemed decision to go to Asia. By the way, you might want to write that down, a redeemed decision. We'll come back to that. It's a good decision. Go to Asia. The Holy Spirit stopped him. You might want to write that down, too. Those are some significant words. Apparently, he didn't get upset by that. And he hangs around, and then he has this um, vision, this dream vision. Come over to Macedonia and help us. He heads for Macedonia. When he gets to Macedonia, what did they do to him? They nearly killed him in Macedonia. If he had been going by circumstances, he would have thought, Oh, man, I must have missed the will of God. I'll never eat pickles before I go to bed again. It's just... <laughs> and he heads out on his missionary journeys. Now, if I were a boat owner back then, I would have put up a sign. If your name is Paul or Saul, not my boat. It's like every boat he got on, it went down. If he had been dependent upon circumstances, he'd have probably thought, Oh, brother, I missed the will of God. It was tough times, you know. And he's coming in on this piece of wood and he makes it into this island and he's warming his hands by the fire and a snake jumps out. Oh, man. Were you him if you were dependent upon circumstances you would have become discouraged a long time before but there's another rather common method I find I doubt that any of you use this fleeces <laughs> now you know what I mean by fleeces don't you you ever been fleeced
Gideon, God has said to him, you're going to set the people free. Mighty man. And he knew it was the voice of God. He knew it was God. And he went about his actions in faith, knowing it was the voice of God. And then at a certain point, after having done several things that proved that he knew this was God, he decides, um, um, let, let, let's, let's check this out. Uh, oh, you know, I'm a little doubtful here. And so he takes this ram skin, this fleece, and he puts it out on the ground. He says, tell you what, God, tonight, if this is really you, I want the ground to be dry and the fleece to be wet tomorrow morning. All right? God says, piece of cake. So the next morning he walks out, crackle, 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 picks it up, 40 gallons. Not bad. You know? But he says, well, but, but, but let's check this out one more time. Tonight I want the ground to be wet and the fleece to be dry. All right? God says, piece of cake. So the next morning he swims out to the fleece. Picks it up and it's dry as a bone. Then he said, ah, now I know that was your voice. Now what we have done is we have taken what I consider to be an act of some doubt and we've turned it into a method of determining the will of God. Now one of the problems with this is the way we tend to use it. We can get very manipulative with God. I've heard of one guy, can't believe this, put out a fleece. He says... I'll know that you want me to divorce my wife and marry my secretary if the sun comes up tomorrow. <laughs> Absurd. But we tend to do some crazy manipulative things like that with fleeces. There is a, there is a book I recommend it to you. It is hilarious called The Sacred Diary of Adrian Plass. It's a British book. Dry humor, but quite humor. He understands Christians. And in it, he himself is a believer, and, and he is making some obvious fun of things that ought to be made fun of. And he's using a fleece. His church said, we're going to downtown London for some ministry. Would you go with us? He said, well, I'm not sure. Let me put out a fleece. He says, if tomorrow morning at 4.45 a.m., a midget shows up dressed like an admiral <laughs> at my door. Then I will know. <laughs> That's the way we do it sometimes. I've done it. I remember, I'll never forget when God was dealing with me about doing what I do now, being a preacher. I knew that this was what he had put on my heart. I was more than willing to give up my other line of ambition for this. But then I decided, we'll put out a fleece. I was a college freshman. And I said, now, God, you know, I can't preach without an automobile. I don't know where it says that in the Bible, but I said, I'll know that you want me to preach if you supply me with an automobile. So I went back to my dormitory kind of feeling cool. But if I had listened closely, I would have heard God chuckle. <laughs> One week later, here came my car. You could hear it for a mile. <laughs> 
Now you have to understand this. My father was driving it, and I've talked to you a little bit about my father. He was severely injured in an airplane accident when I was young, and, and his brain was not what it had been before. And he, he had taught himself how to drive, though, again, and he was driving it. He had brought it the 200 miles up from where he lived to where I was going to school. And he said, Son, about a week ago I had the strongest feeling that you needed a car. And he said, there's a used car lot just down the street from me. And some of the guys there are friends of mine. <laughs> and they tell me. <laughs> and they tell me that this is a good car. So he reached into his pocket and handed me the key. Folks, I was melting. Then he reached into his pocket and handed me. He said, and here's the pay- payment book. I would never have bought this car. I can distinctly hear the Lord. You got your car. Folks, that thing tried me, man. I it wasn't a car, it was a wreck looking for a place to happen. I I would have to park it on hills to start it in the morning. I can remember. I can remember some mornings pushing that thing. Cold, cold mornings, man. You know, pushing it, you know. And I'd hear the Lord say, Are you going to do that to me again? Or when? No, 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 no. So I learned something about that. However, we're not going to learn what to do by just studying what not to do. So let's sort of uh, put an X mark across this and get to where the Bible talks about it. Romans chapter 12 is my favorite. It's so straightforward. Verse 1, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, or I strongly urge you, I highly recommend this. By the mercies of God. Now, I like that because the only thing you can ever do is by the mercy of God. And the only thing worthwhile that can be done is by His mercy. He didn't say, I urge you, brethren, by the innate ability that is within you. He didn't say that. But by the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or... Or your reasonable worship. It's an interchangeable word. Wow. What he is saying here is step number one in doing anything for God is just turn yourself over to him. Present your body a living sacrifice. (laughs) You have heard someone say the problem with a living sacrifice, though, is it keeps crawling off the altar. You know? Now, what Paul is simply saying here is just turn yourself over to God. Settle the issue. I belong to you, God. See, some people are just kind of, well, I'm checking out Jesus now to see if he's any good. That's not what he's talking about. Well, I'm giving it a try. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying, settle the issue. Settle it. God, I'm yours. That's it. 
I have decided to turn over to you everything of me I know how to turn over to you. Here I am. It isn't just, okay, I'll give you my body, but I'm keeping the rest for myself. No, he's, this is really saying, turn everything over to him. Hmm. So that's step one. Now, when you do that, you see, it determines the direction of your face. It determines the direction of your heart. You've turned everything over to God. You're not just tasting the water to see. But you've made your decision. That's it. You become thoroughly saved. And then he says... Don't be conformed to this world. Now, you recall a few weeks ago when we were talking about the nature of Satan. I showed you the, the, the difference over here and all of the I will, I will, I will kind of thing. He says, don't be conformed to that. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, now you also recall... As we looked at the mind of Christ, that here we see the picture of the mind of Christ. So, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you're not thinking like Satan over here, but now you're thinking like God. How do you do that? Well, step one is the Word of God. If you want to know how He thinks, He tells you right here. It's just about as plain as it can be. I've discovered that when I didn't want to read the Bible, it was because I knew what it said. <laughs> you know, that's the way it is with people. They, a lot of people don't want to read the Bible because they, they, know what, they know what it's going to say. They know what it's going to say. But if I want to know what God thinks, how He thinks, what He's like, what my mind should be like, what I should fill myself with so that I can think His way, you've got to get into the Bible. And you've got to see what Jesus is like because God put everything He was in Him. In Him was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So I would immerse myself in the Word and in the very nature of Jesus. So be ye transformed. Now, it takes some transforming, doesn't it? Aren't you a little different from what you used to be? Have you noticed that? Thank God. <laughs> Some of you can hardly believe the change that's come in you from the time you became a Christian till now, even if it was just a few weeks ago. Your friends are even saying, what happened to you? Some transforming has gone on because you've changed your direction. You're thinking like God. You're thinking His way. You're thinking the Word of God. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now... When you do this, you give your body to Him and you change your mind. You transform it. You begin to think like God. The most remarkable thing, He says, that you may prove. What is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God? You prove what His will is. An interesting thing. He doesn't say you hunt it. You don't find it. You prove it. And you prove also that it is good, acceptable, perfect. Now, I've known some people who really wanted to switch God's will into several wills. He's got a good will, and he's got an acceptable will, and he has a perfect one. Which one are you in? Yeah. And all that does is increase your anxieties. Oh, I'm missing the best one. But these are just three words describing His will. It's good, acceptable, and perfect. And when I give myself to Him and find my mind transformed, I change it into His likeness. Then, what I do proves His will. Why? Because now I'm thinking His way. See? I'm not here. You folks didn't come here tonight because 
I'm going to get back at God. I'm going to go to church. <laughs> You're not here because I think I'll mess my mind up tonight. I'll get to church. No. You're here because you want to do His work. You're here because you want to think His way. And what happens is when you give your body and mind to Him, you cannot, now listen to this closely, you cannot miss His will. Really? That seems awfully simple. I know. It had to be simple before I could understand it. When I have given myself to Him and my mind has been transformed to His, then what I do proves His will. It shows what His will is, which means then do these two and relax. I like what one fellow said, repent and relax. It's the kingdom of God. You mean I can really rest in this? Uh-huh. It's awfully simple. There's got to be something that I can do. Well, there is. Give yourself to Him and change your mind. And then what you do, you, you will think redeemed thoughts. You will make redeemed choices. But is it possible for me to go the wrong way? The Holy Spirit will stop you. Isn't that great? God takes care of all of it, see? You can truly relax in this. You mean I can make a choice? Yes. But, but, but what if I make a wrong choice? You won't. He has you covered. Suppose, for instance, that I decided that I wanted to start a church somewhere in Upper Umgalia. And five different cities have groups that are begun to meet and, and they each find out about it and they, they write to me and say, would you come and be our pastor? I've got a problem, don't I? Which one am I going to go to? How will I decide? Will I draw a circle on the floor and take all five letters and throw them up in the air and see which one comes down in the circle? <laughs> Will I put them on my desk and see which one feels warm? I know people do that. Or do you suppose God's saying, Well, I like them all, Gail. Why don't you choose one? You want me to choose? Sure, I like them all. If you go over here, I'll bless you a certain way. If you go here, I'll bless you a certain way. If you go here, I'll bless you a certain way. Oh, really? Yeah. So you can relax. It's His will. All you have to do is give yourself to Him and let your mind be transformed. And then you go, Ah. That's too easy. It's too easy. Well, the thing is, if you choose to do any of these, you're not trying to escape God. You're trying to go His direction. And He knows that. And He walks with you because it is by His mercy that you do everything you do. It's by His mercy that any ministry you've got, you have received. Whew. All right. Well, there is some evidence of this, you know. 
In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isn't that great? I once thought that he really meant, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll put you under spiritual pressure like you've never been under before. (laughs) But he didn't say that. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, there's a secret right there. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly in heart. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wait a minute. This sounds like an oxymoron to me. Yoke is easy? How can that be? Yoke and easy do not go together. My grandfather was a farmer, and I learned something by watching him. He was a very modern farmer for his day. But he kept about two acres that he farmed primitively just because he loved to do it. And he had this old plow and a big horse and an ox. And he would sometimes plow with the ox, sometimes with the horse. And I'd watch him out there. He just loved to do it, you know. And so he kept that two acres just to farm primitively. And I learned that there is such a thing as an individual yoke. Now, a yoke is very simply a power transfer system. It's a means of getting my power or the power of the animal into the plow, or in this case, my power, energy, into the work. Now, let me explain it this way, because I have a little theory, and I don't want you to start any denominations over this, but it's a little theory. I have a little theory that Jesus had a specialty as a carpenter. You know, most woodwork would be specialty kind of work over there where most everything was built with rocks. And I have an idea that he had a specialty as a carpenter, and it was making yokes. And so when he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, they said, oh, I think, yeah, this is the good yoke maker. Now imagine, for instance, that you were my ox and I was going to make a a yoke for you. I would come and I'd find out where the bones and the muscles are and do some measuring and then carve a yoke that when I finished, it would fit so good that you hardly even knew it was there. Like an old shoe, you know. Then all of your energy can go into the yoke. See? You don't even notice it's there. But suppose I were to say... Chuck, I really like your yoke. Can I borrow yours for a while? He says, sure, go ahead. So I put it on and said, now I've got a yoke that works. I know this one, man. This is great. Oh, it feels just a little funny. doesn't fit right there. So maybe if I adjust. There. Now I'm I'm looking a little funny. I'm working harder. (laughs) And I'm not pulling as much of a load, see? And by the end of the day, man, I will have wrapped certain places. And I would just really be, oh, man, I'll never put on a yoke again, man, you know. And I'll be working very, very hard, but I won't be pulling anything. I've about decided that a lot of the weirdness that I occasionally see in Christianity is because people are wearing yokes that aren't the yoke of Jesus. They took someone else's yoke on, man, and they're trying hard to live up to it and make it work. And they look very funny. And they work very hard. But they don't pull much. But Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Huh. Burden and light don't go together either. Do you realize that? Well, 
I think I understand. You see, I carry a burden. I don't know how to describe this burden. It's a heavier burden than anybody ought to ever carry. It's the burden of being Gail Irwin. And Jesus looked at me and he said, you're right, nobody ought to carry that burden. So I tell you what, you throw that one on me. And I'll give you my burden. Do you notice the words in here? Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He didn't say your yoke was easy and your burden. He says mine is. So what happens is he cuts the yoke especially fitted for me and the burden that is his, it's just the right size for me. And that way walking with him is such a joy. And I can rest in him, see. So really, knowing His will is just simply a product of giving yourself to Him and letting your mind be transformed. Then you can go out and just do His will and prove it. Prove it. Now this brings up another rather fascinating thing that goes hand in hand with knowing His will, or in this case, proving His will by giving ourselves over to Him. And that's... The question of how can you know when you've heard the voice of God. Has that, that ever occurred to you? You ever heard anyone say, well, God told me. You ever heard that? And sometimes you've heard them say things God told them and you knew. God probably didn't. <laughs> and sometimes you knew He did. But how can you know when you have heard the voice of God? Well, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. I love the opening of Hebrews. It's such a powerful passage. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God. That's a good way to start off a book. Who at various times and in different ways spoke. Now, I like that. God speaks. He is not silent. He speaks to us. In times past to the fathers by the prophets. Has in these Last days. Now that's a significant statement. In these last days, spoken to us by his son. Now I like that. He's not even trusting it to the prophets. Now he brings it to us, you know, in our vernacular, we would say by the horse's mouth. Let's call it by the lamb's mouth in this case. He's spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. How many things is all? It's kind of all, isn't it? Through whom he also made the worlds. Who? Speaking of Jesus. Being the brightness of his glory. Now you remember just recently when we were talking about the name and the glory of God and we marched through that list which you have also memorized now. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. He is the brightness or the expression of the very glory of God. And it says, He is the express image of His person, or He is exactly like the Father. Do you hear this? In these last days, He has spoken by His Son. It's like, this is it. But there's no finer authority than one who is not only the expression of my very nature, but he is exactly like me. A chip off the old block. Junior looks just like his dad. Hmm. 
and upholding all things by the word of his power. Awesome. Some time ago, I was watching one of these nature specials on television, and it happened to be about the seals who come into the Pribilof Islands up in the Alaskan Aleutian Sound for a birthing and mating season. It was rather fascinating. They showed the picture of this long, rocky, sandy shore, and at a certain time there would be thousands of these big brown humps come up on the shore, and they would show them as they were all along that shore. And I looked down that and I thought, you know, when you've seen one seal, you've seen them all, you know. And then they would give birth to little seal pups. And there would be thousands more of these little brown humps wandering around on the island. And I looked at them and I thought, you know, when you've seen one seal pup, you've seen them all. Well, then the mothers would get hungry and go back out to the ocean to feed. And the little pups would just wander all over and get all mixed up. And then when the mamas would come back, they would sort themselves out. How did they do that? Well, the researchers were curious, too, so they looked more closely and discovered that when a seal pup was born, two interesting things happened. First, the mother and the seal would (laughs) sniff each other very closely. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems to me when you've smelled one seal... You've smelled them all. (laughs) Then they would speak to each other. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but it seems to me when you've heard one seal, you've heard them all. Then when I thought about the smell, I remembered a passage in Corinthians. You know it. I'll just read part of it to you here. 2 Corinthians 2.15, For we are to God the fragrance, the smell, the aroma of Christ. Ah! I don't care what you spray under your arms. God says, I know you. You smell like Jesus to me. <laughs> but what about, what about the voice? Well, I was watching another special, and this one was rather interesting to me. They were doing some research in the sound waves that your voice makes. They had put them on an oscilloscope and then printed those sound waves out, and they had discovered that the sound waves of your voice are so unique that they can identify you by the sound of your voice just as surely as if it were your fingerprints. Even if you try to disguise your voice. They can say, ah, no, this is you, this is you. And I wondered, is it possible, is it possible that what we are looking at here, this nature of Jesus list, is actually the sound waves of His voice? Because he says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Well, 
Let's see if there's any evidence to this. When God spoke out of that cloud in the presence of His Son and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear Him. Listen to Him. To Pontius Pilate, Jesus says, Whoever is on the side of truth hears me or listens to me. But then I saw John chapter 10. Go with me there. It's a great chapter. You know that. John chapter 10, verse 1, beginning there. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up by some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and... The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Yet they'll by no means follow a stranger. They'll flee from him for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Verse 8, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them or did not listen to them. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. Verse 16, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. And just to remind you of our original thesis. Jesus in verse 30 says, I and the Father are one. Ah! It dawned on me that I can, by the nature of Jesus, check out everything I hear. If someone says, God has spoken to me and said such and such, all I have to do is check it out by the nature of Jesus. And if it violates Jesus, then I'm pretty sure it's not Him. It's not the voice of the Lord. Before I believe something, before I preach something, before I interpret something, I check it out to see if it violates Jesus. And if it does, then I am misinterpreting or misbelieving or misbehaving. Because you see, when God put everything He was in Jesus, He wasn't going to say or do anything after that to violate Him, nor was the Holy Spirit going to do anything to violate Him. Anytime someone is, shall we say, moved by the Holy Spirit, according to them or whatever, I just check it out to see whether it violates the nature of Jesus. And if it does, I know that it was probably their own flesh moving them, and flesh does move you. But if it matches the nature of Jesus, I know, yes, God had something to do with that. That must have been the Holy Spirit. So this becomes the most beautiful way for me to check out what I'm hearing. As I listen to God, as I read the Word and interpret, am I violating ever the nature of Jesus? If I do, 
I know that I have misinterpreted or misheard or misbehaved, as I said. Well, I hope that's clear. Except there's one more thing I want to say. (laughs) There is a problem with some of the ways that we tend to listen to God. And I want to do a little role play for you here. And I need a volunteer. Thank you, Bob Zolemeyer. I really appreciate that. That was a quick volunteer on your part. Would you just step up here? Thank you very much. (laughs) That was quick. Very quick. Now, what I want you to do, you'll have to stand close here and just speak into my chest right here. Uh, what, What I want you to do is I want you to play the part of God in this. Kind of typecasting here, I guess, man. And and what I want you to do is I want you to tell me how to get from here to your house. Okay? Go ahead. I'm listening. Gail, if you go out over here... Can I interrupt you? Don't point. (laughs) See, when I get out of here, if you've pointed, I lose the point. And I get out there and I can't see you and it's pointless. (laughs) And I have to keep rushing back in here just to get the point. You understand? And anyway, my, my mama always taught me not to point. So if it's okay, don't, don't point. Don't you? Okay. But go ahead. I'm listening. Okay. All right? I'm listening. Gail. You're, you're, if, if, you're pointing. All right. Okay, go ahead. I'll but say, I'm listening. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. If we go out one of these doors... May I interrupt you? One of these doors is a rather inexact term. And you just don't understand what what kind of anxiety I feel when there is an inexact term associated with this. So if you don't mind, I would appreciate if you'd be just a little bit more specific than that. Okay? Okay. All right, I'm listening, though. Go ahead. If we were to go out the door on our left over here... Can I, can I interrupt you? <laughs> left and right are relative terms depending on which direction you happen to be facing at a certain point, see? So if I am facing the wrong direction and I happen then to turn left, I could run into a wall and hurt myself. So, so if, if you don't mind, don't use right and left. Uh, be a, just a little bit more specific. Thank you. But go ahead. I'm listening. I'm listening. Okay. Gail, have, have you ever ridden in a car before? Yes, as a matter of fact, I have. Why, why don't I take you there? Well... That's a very kind offer on your part. But you see, I didn't want to go right now. I just wanted to know how to get from here to your house. So go ahead. If you you could go ahead, I'd appreciate it. I'm listening. I'm listening. How about if I draw a map? Hi, over there. No, No, because if I'm out of here, you see, I can't see it. You understand that? I can't carry that. That's an awfully big thing. We'll we'll try that. I'm listening. All right. Go ahead. Yes. All right. It's good to see you guys now. Go ahead. I'm listening. I'm listening. Hi. If we were to head out this door. Sure is nice to see you. I'm I'm listening. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. (laughs) Try not to get violent. Yes. Yes. I'm listening, though. Go ahead. The uh, the exit door. Yes, the exit door. I'm listening. Yes. Hi. It's good to see you. 300 steps to the car. Yeah. Sure is great to hear. Did you hear that? Car. Car. I heard a word. God wants me to preach from my car. I'm sure that's what it is. I had a word. 
Thank you very much, Bob. <laughs> discovered that sometimes that's exactly the way I listen to God. <laughs> My middle daughter, Angela, never would let us listen to her that way. We'd try, you know. She'd be tagging along behind us. Yes, we're listening. Go ahead, go ahead. But she wouldn't take that. She would stop us, climb up our body and grab our face and pull it around and whisper in our nose, you know. And sometimes I think <laughs> in all of the hassle of life, all the voices that we hear, I think God stops us, at least He does me, sort of climbs up my body and says, Gail, can, can we talk? Yes, yeah, yeah. And I am learning more and more to give him my face and my time and saying, Speak to me, Lord. I want to hear you. Speak to me. You have written this. I want to know you and I want my heart to be tuned to the very nature of Jesus so that I can hear your guidance. And whatever happens to guide me in this day, it won't violate you. And I will not, as it says in Hebrews 3, 7, that's the Holy Ghost saying, Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. And I also hear this most beautiful statement by Jesus. Oh, this is so powerful. You know it also by heart. Revelations 3:20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. I like that. And so I cry out, O oh Lord, I want to hear your voice. Give me the wisdom and knowledge as I study your word and understanding of your nature so that when I hear your knock and your voice, I'll know it's you. And it's only you that I would care to invite in. And of course, if you haven't invited him in, now is the perfect time to do it. Hear his voice and say, come in. You're the one I want. Father, you're so good to Once again, we're overwhelmed by your kindness. Once again, we are delighted that you've made your will and your voice so clear to us that you want us to live with joy and rest in your kingdom, immersing ourselves in you and letting you flow through us so that our actions will prove your will because we're simply given to doing what you want to do and nothing else. And thank you that we can know you so clearly in your word and that you can guide us so beautifully by hearing your voice 
and that we have a means through this final word of yours, Jesus, to know what is the radiance of your glory, what is the exact likeness of you, and we'll know your voice. Thanks for speaking. Help us hear. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Gail Irwin. If you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor Gail's teaching ministry by visiting servant.org.